0: Trying to understand what the objectives are. Maybe they're not explicit, right? They're not written in anywhere or in documentation. You might have to do some digging um, through the community, uh, through the forums, through previous chatter as it relates to prior governance proposals, but really trying to find out what the DAO or, or the community more generally Thinks are, you know, the durable problems they're trying to solve. Is it revenue or do they still think they're in growth mode, trying to bootstrap user base and really trying to find like protocol or project market fit?
1: Hi, everyone. This is Growing Web3, a podcast that uncovers the growth stories behind the most successful crypto, DeFi, DAO, NFT, metaverse and play to earn ecosystems. I'm your host, James RT, and each week I'll be sitting down with founders and experts on Web3 to pick their brains and learn about their growth stories. We'll discuss strategies and tactics to understand how they've grown Web3's billion-dollar protocols and communities. So whether you're in the midst of your own growth story or just getting started, this show is for you. Subscribe and join us each week as we discuss growing Web3. Growing Web3 is brought to you by Hype Partners, the leading community management and marketing agency for Web3 organizations. Hype is a global agency of 120 marketers committed to supercharging Web3 ecosystems. Go to www.hype.partners to learn more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Growing Web3. I'm extremely excited to have with me today Nick Cannon who's the VP of growth at Gauntlet. So Nick, welcome to the show. Um, Gauntlet's an incredible organization. And yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story, how you got into the space and how you eventually ended up joining Gauntlet.
0: I guess zooming out as far as it's relevant, uh, I played poker professionally for a little over a decade um, and towards the tail end of that, uh, crypto was really starting to get traction and, I actually started using crypto for a proper use case, not just speculation uh, as a poker player traveling overseas or the Caribbean or somewhere um, in like sort of a post 9-11 world a little bit. And with a lot of cash is a good way to spend a lot of time with airport security. Um, and crypto sort of solves that. Right. Um, definitely a secure way to transfer, um, needing to transfer you know, Bitcoin back then. Uh, when you run out of chips at 3 a.m. in the Bahamas to someone across the table so you can get chips and be back in action um, was just the perfect use case for a pucker player. And obviously the variance uh, as a professional gambler wasn't a concern in crypto prices and never has been. Um, and then just from there was sort of the hook of, hey, this technology is cool. Um, I like the use case. Moved to the Bay Area in about 2017. Found myself at an early DeFi startup in 2018, 19, and got to integrate the likes of like Dharma. Compound was just getting traction. Uniswap had just launched. It, they were all just toys, like realistically. We're talking, you know, seven figures maybe in, in some of these protocols. Um, and uh, really got to play around with a lot of them and think about early use cases. Uh, An initial uh, bear cycle, uh, you know, put a light nail in the coffin for anything that doesn't have a lot of traction, something like Uniswap. Um and knew I wanted to come back, did a couple of years in FinTech um before joining Gauntlet, mainly because i you know, in the interim knew how fast crypto moved and wanted to, you know, stay up to speed. And, you know, the research white paper group that I read with a few friends included a lot of our CEO, Gauntlet CEO, that is uh his research in Troon, who his output is still impressive and I'm on the inside uh still as well, but helped me uh keep up to speed with the very Evolving space that DeFi was and, and still is.
1: That's awesome. I love that uh, crypto solved your problem of having too much money to travel around the world with. It's a very awesome, very awesome uh, early use case. Some some people do join for the actual use case, you know, like uh, <laughs> you
0: know, and you know, this wasn't like even a hardware wallet. This was using you know a Coinbase wallet for you know standard yeah. transfers. Tax-paying citizens and all that, but just needed a way to not you know, want to have a significant amount of cash on hand um, in,
1: in foreign countries and on, in airports and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So um, Gauntlet, I, I kind of describe Gauntlet when I talk to other people as um, it's, so it's risk management, it's governance, it's helping protocols essentially manage their assets, their treasuries, everything they're doing. Is that accurate? Um, or how, how would you describe going on this thing?
0: We definitely get that a lot, right? <laughs> we write a lot of research, which doesn't, and true as I mentioned, a lot of that doesn't perfectly map back to the product suite and the platform we're trying to build. The core flagship product is, as you mentioned, risk management, which targets lending protocols, liquidity protocols, CDPs, like, you know, maker or collateral over collateralized stable coins and things like that. Where we're tuning and, and calibrating risk parameters for market risk, which is obviously um, top of mind for pretty much always, that, I should say, um, for for all these protocols. How do the collateral assets and the assets that are you know baked into the protocol and being used by the protocol? Um, how are they affected by existing volatility and slippage, and of course, price um, into relation to you know governing. Uh, the economic risk of the protocol so this is let's make this clear this is separate from the smart contract risk which i think everyone understands when they think of hack they think of is there a bug in the code uh, oracle risk definitely separate but you know there's a lot of overlap with economic risk and then of course governance risk um, things like is there a multi-sig um, is there an attack vector through you know some of the process of, of the protocol architecture and in the quorum thresholds that are initially set up but yeah, the core competency is market risk, uh, and you know we're a financial modeling platform that sort of runs off-chain simulations to sort of drive on-chain efficiency. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. you're know, running tens of thousands of simulations on blockchain would be extremely expensive. It's extremely expensive just in Google Cloud and AWS. You can only imagine um, running on-chain what that would look like, but we can you know simulate the EVM Ethereum environment or other environments off-chain in a similar fashion uh, with different agents that we know interact on-chain and then, you know, map that back to the risk profile of DAOs and
1: communities and projects. That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on under the hood. I like describe Gauntlet to people. For me, it's kind of like a black box until the research comes out. You know that they're working in the background. Um, They're helping these billion dollar crypto DeFi companies um, really understand how to manage their protocols effectively um but yeah how that's done is is very interesting and i think one of the most interesting things i find is you know a lot of what government does is happening in the background but then a lot of what you do i guess is public where you're going into governance forums um and you're presenting research that your team has done and saying hey everyone uh that, you know has tokens in this protocol here are some recommendations or here are some things that Gormit can help you with to essentially, you know, reduce the risk of something going wrong. Is that, is that how your role works? Um, Because that's what I've seen from like in a pub in the most public sense.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good summarization for, you know, growth can mean a lot of things that the teams that sort of roll into me um, are BD and partnerships. So, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to find the best DAOs that, we can drive a lot of impact with, with the existing models and agents on our platform. Um, the technical content writers trying to, you know, make technical blog posts, but not necessarily academic research papers. And then also the program management side. So these are the people you'll see in the compound and Ave and governance forums and on the community calls trying to quantitatively sort of express the work that does happen off chain, you know, as you said, like there's a lot of this that is proprietary, but, we're in crypto for a reason, and we like the ethos of open source, and, and we try to track towards that. So any, you know, rationale or reasoning for changing parameters of billions of dollars definitely wants, needs to be backed up, in our opinion, by, you know, data and rigor. Um, and we want to make sure that's crystal clear to sort of the wide um you know, user base of these protocols. You have like, the, you know, the retail public um, who might just be a user, maybe not even a governance token holder, right? They're just using the protocol and wanna know how this affects them. Then some um, swath of like core team developers or, you know, active developers on the protocol. And then maybe, you know, the, the whales, potentially VCs, angel investors, large stakeholders that have different potentially longer term concerns as it relates to the treasury and, and management of things like that. It's tough to message to all of them in a consistent, clear manner that they would understand. We're happy to go deep. We're happy to try to give like a one-on-one version. Um, That sweet spot's always tough to find, but um, that's probably why we need to be so active uh, in and around uh, these communities.
1: Awesome. And um, so when you you maybe have worked with your research team um, and they say, okay, this protocol, we have something interesting to present to them. Um, we have some interesting research or we have, you know, maybe a strategy or a product that we want the community to adopt. Um, how do you how do you go about, I guess it's not really selling it in, but how do you go about, you know, opening the conversation? Do you go straight to the governance forum? Do you post um, or do you publish the research? How do you kind of get the community to to see it and all these different stakeholders to get like interested in it?
0: depends on where the DAO or the project is on this spectrum of like decentralization. I think as everyone mm-hmm. knows, like these projects launch with a hand, you know, similar to a company and an entity, and then they eventually maybe spin out a foundation and then they, you know, turn over governance and, and the smart contracts to the DAO and, you know, spin up a forum that anyone can yeah. access. So it sort of depends. Um, and you know, we help shepherd or steward or whatever you want to call it. A lot of these earlier projects to that, you know, end state that is, more akin to what you see from like compound or uniswap where the labs team or the initial core team really isn't driving governance decisions uh so i guess that's one dimension that depends um in in the latter where it is like closer to open governance um you are looking for key stakeholders and doing a lot of like research basically of like what has historically happened in governance and obviously for for like us specifically, we're looking at like market risk parameters. Is there something we can drive? Is the one, is the protocol architected in a way that we can think we can drive impact? Does it look, does it have the right risk parameters? Is there a way to govern them in a slow and ideally a fast path um, that can sort of bypass um, some of the bigger governance changes that uh, sometimes come up? Is there a way, do we think, you know, they have assets that we can get enough data for um, that we can make quantitative reasons about. And, and, you know, a lot of protocols, I think, as we all sort of know, list some coins that it's tough to do that for. Um, they don't have enough liquidity um, for whatever reason. So, yeah, we target those protocols and then, um, yeah, make a proposal to key stakeholders, aggregate a lot of feedback from the various you know grants committees, Um Fourteen members are still involved, even in these you know protocols that are decentralized. They're definitely, it's in a different fashion, but they obviously have a stake and and they want to want to make sure the protocol grows and continues to sustain itself. Uh, it's a bit like pushing rope sometimes, and then eventually you go to the you know the forum and um, you hope for the best a little bit. But like uh, I think that's sort of what makes it uh,
1: exciting for sure. And that's awesome. I guess as well, Golma has like built up quite a strong, well, an extremely strong brand now. So when you're going into these forums, people are probably like, Ooh, "Okay, these guys are the serious guys coming in." Um, and I've read quite a few of your governance proposals, and they're they're extremely well structured, and obviously they're backed by, you know, a lot of world class research. Um, but yeah, I'd love I'd love to hear about maybe if you have any advice for people who are writing governance proposals or going into governance forums, how they should really approach the community. Should they, yeah, I mean, one thing I've found is people, a lot of governance proposals should be more professional, in my opinion. Um, In the way that consultants present research to their clients, I feel like that's how governance proposals should be structured, whereas you often see things that are kind of a bit, yeah, all over the place. Do you have any kind of advice on that? Yes, probably a lot. Uh,
0: You know, we talk about smart contracts a lot, right? But the smart contracts aren't the contracts being made with governance or like this this market creation that we've sort of seen, and that gauntlet definitely falls into sort of like B to DAO going to governance forum asking for an allocation from the treasury for participation in some layer of the stack that we think we they need or smart contract auditors think they need or or, and there's definitely you know ones that will come in the future there's sub DAOs that are doing grants and doing treasury and and different things like that uh this this yeah to your point the story isn't exactly clear sometimes right like is the need of the DAO durable and does like the ask of this governance proposal sort Mm -hmm. of uh, roll up to the longer-term vision that the community has expressed. Now, to be fair to the people making this, sometimes that's not always clear, crystal clear. There's not a, a Wikipedia page that says, like, this DAO, these are the top three objectives, institutional objectives of this DAO, and we want to drive towards these. Is there? There's no RFP process generally for, like, hey, is, would someone like to submit these, and then we'll put you in a bake-off uh, and, and sort of choose the best one at the best price, and with the best kpis or metrics driven you know that they're they're going to drive for the protocol a little bit of research uh, talking to all the stakeholders that have submitted governance proposals previously and then structure them like there is you know most of the legitimate or blue chip DAOs do have some process from you know forum post to off-chain poll to on-chain vote following that and and giving the community significant timelines or significant time to review right a lot of these are just net new and and gomit like sort of knows this right like we're talking about risk management for DAOs, and most of these DAOs and sort of know the nomenclature of risk management but what does that actually functionally mean for a protocol that you can has executable code through governance and how does that how do we get paid how what's our interaction what's our liability things different like that so Trying to move too quickly is usually what I see a lot of people make the mistake of. Hey, I have a great idea. I think that uh, the, the DAO needs it. Um, please pay me is not not the path, <laughs> definitely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, that happens a lot with, with grants as well. Sometimes people go in and they ask for something pretty significant upfront or at step one. And, you know, it often works much better when you face things like you start off small and then, you know, three months later, come back for a slightly larger grant, six months later, come back for a slightly larger grant.
0: And that's what I think most of our, our, maybe helped us get our track record. A lot of it was research based. And then we had, we did a lot of what is very look much looks like consultant, like. R and D, right? We did these one off market risk assessments that were 30 page PDFs for compound and maker or Aave that said like, Hey, here are some risk factors. Here's how you should think about architecting your protocol. This is potentially what you should launch with. And these were some considerations for now in the future.
1: So Nick, so you've written, I imagine a load of governance proposals and the ones I've read from Gorn have been extremely professional. Um, They're obviously backed by world-class research. It'd be great to hear your advice to, yeah, to people basically creating governance proposals and writing them and any, any things you'd recommend people do.
0: I guess advice for individuals and, you know, potentially companies that want to be a service provider for a DAO or a project or a protocol. This is sort of approach it from a research perspective, trying to understand what the objectives are. Maybe they're not explicit, right? They're not written in anywhere or in documentation you might have to do some digging um, through the community, uh, through the forums, through previous chatter, as it relates to prior governance proposals, but really trying to find out what the DAO or or the community more generally thinks are, you know, the durable problems they're trying to solve. Is it revenue or do they still think they're in growth mode, trying to bootstrap user base and really trying to find like protocol or project market fit a little bit. Um, And, and after doing that, you probably still have a lot of open questions. You should try to ask the community or very key stakeholders. They might be anonymous. They might be of the core team or prior core team. Um, they those questions might fall on deaf ears um, until, for better or worse, you make a you know more serious proposal to you know engage with the DAO. Generally, it's good to start working for free for DAOs or until you have a track record in doing something. Maybe it's not directly for that DAO, but it's for a similar like project on a different chain uh, that you can point to. But having a body of work for you know, to sort of represent the impact you could drive and, and, and the structure of an engagement or the goals or KPIs that you're trying to work towards is extremely helpful in getting consensus uh, across you know, a, a broad community base.
1: Awesome, and I guess you really, yeah, you really have to try and figure out who the key stakeholders are, who's most active in governance, most active in governance forums, um, and everything is public, right? So, token holders, if the project is sufficiently decentralized, all the token holders are on chain. You can often, you know, find out using tools like I think Nansen and maybe some others who the biggest stakeholders are. I think that's quite, that's quite cool because, you know, you can approach people. And I think in general, from my experience, when you approach like a large stakeholder, maybe an investor, an early community member, and you say, hey, I'm thinking of submitting this, would you mind giving me some feedback? People are pretty receptive because they understand it's for the good of the DAO, the protocol. Um, And that's obviously for the good of the project they're supporting. So I think the feedback loop there is quite nice, um, yeah.
0: Agreed. Uh, yeah, there's tons of tools, sort of governance tooling, popping up, and not be, and it sort of reminds me, of, you know, these blockchain clubs or DAO participants generally are active in more than one, right? So, yeah, if you're if you're targeting an earlier stage project, you can actually understand maybe the objectives of this delegate um, somewhere else, how they voted somewhere else, or how they had commentary somewhere else. But to your point, also. Uh, just try to talk to them Um, uh, that generally the easiest way to understand their motivations or what they think is important and probably can highlight some considerations or developments that um, hopefully are public, but not always the case. Right. Um, It's tough to reach consensus. And so there might be other, you know, Parallel proposals that have some overlap uh, with what you're what you're working on, or you know, grants V two is coming out, or there's a migration coming up for a V two to a V three, and how how did do, how does that play into you know the considerations that you have for you know what your what you're trying to service the DAO with?
1: Absolutely, and on what DAOs or what governance forums would you recommend people visit to kind of see a best in class? Um, approach they can obviously visit gauntlets uh, governance proposals from the past are there any other forums I mean I like MakerDAO I think their governance forums are really really solid and really interesting to read through are there any others you recommend
0: yeah I think makers a good example of probably one on the spectrum where it's extremely structured right you know who's who Who's saying what? What? How the conversation will sort of track when it will go to polling or executive poll and things like that? Most DAOs don't function like that. It, it's definitely a bit more haphazard. Maybe it's just a function of Maker being around uh, a lot yeah. and having more, you know, uh, core unit teams and 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 a bit more established there. There's some benefits to that, and obviously some trade offs into the, like the the speed at which they can move. Um, obviously found some good traction, um, or obviously active participants in there. And just to call it out, like we don't always get like the, you know, the glowing feedback of like community. And I think that's probably something interesting for anyone, um, you know, trying to track governance sort of across DeFi is to understand is like, all this stuff is very evergreen. It's out in the open. It's very well is is the, like the governance DeFi case studies uh, of how these things evolve from their early state, nascent state to you know post merge and uh, migrations and things like that, and and how more people are starting to participate and take an active role in driving development and safety and risk management and things like that as you know the core teams start to to pull away. Um, yeah, obviously a good example. Compound's a good example. Um and uh, probably more to come is uh, a lot of these projects I think are in their sort of second wave, especially you know um, on l twos and avalanche and others uh, as they start to decentralize for the core teams, you'll see more examples and iterations on you know the ones we just mentioned.
1: Awesome yeah that's uh yeah, that's super interesting. so lots of research for everyone to do there a couple couple kind of quick fire questions so. I am a big fan of NFTs. However, I think that if an NFT project doesn't plan to have any governance, then they shouldn't be called a Web three project. They're just kind of like pictures on a blockchain. Um, and I've tried to try to follow like the governance of NFT projects, and there isn't much beyond like Ape Apecoin, Yuga um, Labs, at like Board Ape community. They have some governance or they've started there's not that much happening have you seen any big nft projects that are doing interesting things in governance nouns i guess is trying nouns, to do us nouns is awesome um really awesome
0: yeah uh i guess we get a lot of inbound for nft projects trying to sort of Across the chasm, so to speak, yeah. uh, into DeFi of like how can we get more usage? How to how can we use these as collateral? Um, we're of course very hesitant, given it's pretty tough to quantify liquidity and slippage of apes or or something like that. And we've already seen you know plenty of um, not not exactly exploits, but like um, faulty risk parameters that caused a lot of trouble in some of these projects. Yeah. Uh, maybe the purpose is different though too right like and i I sort of take your point that like hey if it's a governance token it should probably be governed um the you know the objectives of these nouns and others isn't Definitely not the same of the DeFi lending protocols or Dex, and and maybe that's fine. Maybe it should just be more explicit of the goals, and they don't need to be tuning risk parameters, but they want have a social cause or, or something like that, or it's just a community that's trying to do cool stuff. Um, yeah, we'll see how that evolves. It definitely, you know, maybe it's just a, a little bit early, as as DeFi was a few years ago.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely quite early. I think, yeah. I'm kind of torn when I look at some NFT projects between like, this is really cool. I love this experiment to, wow, their treasury is huge. And they're saying they're a community project. The community should probably be governing this giant treasury that they've seen to accrue. Um, But yeah, let's, let's see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, it's a really interesting point that you mentioned that a lot of NFT projects are starting to like financialize or Use DeFi primitives um, or start to experiment at least with that. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you have a lot of work or a lot of work to come, as you said, because yeah, there have been a few kind of uh, on chain lending for NFT projects that yeah, definitely haven't had the best risk management. Um, So yeah, I'm sure there's lots of interesting stuff there.
0: And it might, I mean, it's definitely less relevant, like it, you know, for something like. A treasury that's used for a safety module like Ave, where they need to like cover insolvency should they happen, Uh, nouns doesn't necessarily have to do that, and they can maybe keep in native, you know, the treasury in native ETH and sort of ride the success of ETH and and fund cool projects when um, you know price goes up, and maybe trim back when price goes down, but they don't need to necessarily and and maybe the community will come to do a different decision but just think of that in in the same fashion so like obviously they'll have different objectives of the protocol and maybe it's more tied to the success of sort of the chain in, in the ecosystem they're on uh but I think we can all agree, like if there's over collateralized loans and there's insolvencies and there's an insurance fund, that insurance fund should probably cover um, those people that were depending on it. And, uh, that's a definitely more crystal clear in you know, the, the, the DeFi space.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. And we don't have that much time left. So I'm going to hit you with the last question that I ask everyone who comes on the show. So. You're currently VP of growth for Gauntlet, but if you had to join a project and be CMO, VP of growth, which one would you choose? Are there any out there that you think are doing awesome stuff right now in space?
0: I don't want to be CMO, but uh, maybe operating um, in and around Lido is interesting, which I take like a personal interest in. I think mainly because of just its importance for the space post-merge. Um, They have a lot of trade-offs and decisions to make against their personal growth, which they have a ton of traction for and and share of. But how can they think about being, you know, better Ethereans for decentralization, right? Uh, Do you want all the market share? And is that bad or is there a trade-off against the centralized players of the Kraken and the Coinbase of the world who, you know, won't put a cap on the market share they're trying to track towards? So I think there's like some interesting, tough decisions they're going to be faced with or, and are currently faced with. I also think the, the technical theme is extremely stellar, um, which doesn't hurt, um, in, in this space, um, and interested to watch how their governance evolves for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been really, really interesting tracking their journey. And yeah, like you said, um, they're like, they can't do growth at all costs because all costs is, yeah, we're not decentralized anymore um but yeah it's really interesting to think about the dynamic between them and the centralized centralized uh staking as a service providers really interesting awesome thank you so much for coming on it's been really great to hear about yeah your work at gauntlet and um where can people follow you keep up to date with what you're doing
0: uh gala.network or uh same on twitter uh i'm inky Maze on twitter and sort of all those forums uh previously mentioned uh you'll sort of see us lobbying program managing and trying to you know manage risk uh for these DAOs and what is hopefully becoming a more mature space but uh time will tell
1: thank you so much wonderful take care cheers Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Growing Web 3. You can see the show notes and all the resources mentioned in today's episode at Hype Partners forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening again, and be sure to hit subscribe to listen to new episodes first. Growing Web3 is brought to you by Hype Partners, the leading community management and marketing agency for Web3 organizations. Hype is a global agency of 120 marketers committed to supercharging web3 ecosystems go to www.hype.partners to learn more